Hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, part of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. So last week, we took a short day trip to the Crow's Nest Pass in southern Alberta and spent a few hours at the Frank Slide Interpretive Center to learn the story of the Frank Slide and some of the myths around it. So we'll share our chat with Joey Ambrosi, Facility Supervisor at the Frank Slide Interpretive Center, a bit later in the podcast. Plus, we'll visit with the folks from Melia Resorts to learn about the Melia Punta Cana Beach Resort, an adults-only resort which has recently transformed into a fully immersive wellness property with new amenities and services, so we'll find out more about that shortly. But first, we're going to start our podcast this week talking about keeping your home safe while you travel. The experts at Home Hardware have identified five tips to help you out, so joining us now to explain them are Nicole Weatherby and Josh Hengen, dealer owners at the Sundry Home Hardware Building Center. Hello to the both of you. Hi, thanks for having us. We're going to talk about keeping your home safe while traveling. I think this is something that people always have on their minds, but uh, for one reason or another, sometimes they forget about doing uh, all of these things or maybe just some of those things. Uh, Maybe they have an idea that just won't happen to me. Is that what you find sometimes? Absolutely. I think uh, so often we're we're focused on the end destination, right? And uh, we forget all the, the prep that needs to go in before we, we leave and go on our holiday or our trip or our mini vacation or whatever the fact may be. I know even uh, sometimes I get going on a trip and you're so excited to get to the destination that you end up forgetting uh, clothes or toiletries or something like that, you end up spending more money on the trip than you planned. Well, the one thing on here, it says check your locks. I think that's the last thing that people uh, do. They lock up their door and then they're they're excited about the vacation like you're talking about. But that's one of the main ones. Check your locks. Make sure they're all working, right? That seems like a simple one, though. Absolutely. And uh, with today's technology, you can get uh, different locks that you can check on your uh, phone and uh, lock remotely as well. Well, that kind of goes hand in hand in a, in a home security system. In my ha- and I have seen those systems where you're connected to your smartphone, so you can basically watch your your home while you're away, kind of thing, right? Yeah, whether it be through uh, cameras or different sensors, like uh, uh, for water level alarms, uh, which is handy to have around your hot water tank or pressure tank. Um, or even just to have in your basement in general, if that's the first place water is going to start to accumulate. Well, and now you bring up a good point with water. So you want to check your faucets and toilets, especially in the wintertime, I would think. Yeah, I'd say probably one of the the most common uh, freeze-ups in the winter is due to um, a toilet that uh, consistently has a slow run, ends up freezing up in the drain pipe and uh, can cause you all sorts of grief. Well, then it seems to me that uh, technology really has changed things to make your house uh, a lot safer or uh, things like uh, timers on lights, right? Tell us more about those. Absolutely. Uh, the timers on the lights, there's there's lots of different options. I mean, there's always been timers for your, your Christmas lights that plug into a power outlet, but now you can even replace your regular uh, light switch with one that has a timer built right into it. So uh, really... Uh, makes it easy for you to get things automated like that. The nice thing with that, too, is is you could have it set to come on, say, in the evening when you would normally be turning your lights on if you were home, and it can give the illusion of of the house being occupied and I think make your house less likely to be a target for anybody who's wandering around and up to no good, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. That, that's the whole idea, right, is to make it look like there's actually someone still there 
Uh, is there kind of a system that does all of this, though, that, uh, you know, you can set timers on lights, you can, it, it's, you have part of a security system, uh, and you can check uh, your faucets and toilets. Is there all one system? Uh, there definitely is those options available, um, uh, or a person can go about it uh, just doing it uh, piecemeal and uh, doing one thing at a time and build an assortment that uh, really works for you. Mm-hmm. And then the, the last one is tidying up your yard, just, again, making it look like you've been there in the last few days. You don't want the grass growing or, or that type of thing, and, and that obviously has someone that you have coming over there to look after that. Yeah, either having somebody lined up to do that or making sure you do it just before you leave, depending on how long you're going to be going to be gone, for sure. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to add that I missed? Uh, I think a very important sixth point would be to really brush up on your uh, Home Alone movies and uh, <laughs> learn a lot from those. <laughs> well, I was thinking about that with the cardboard cutouts uh, dancing in the window <laughs> to make <laughs> it look like he... <laughs> And Nicole Weatherby and Josh Hengel are uh, dealer owners of the Home Hardware in Sundry. In Sundry. I'm assuming that uh, people can uh, go to the Home Hardware and, and check all these systems out, right? Absolutely. And if we don't have it uh, on hand, we can get it in a hurry and, and go through all the options. Uh, keeping your home safe while away on holidays, you can find uh, all these tips on the Home Hardware website, homehardware.ca. It was fun chatting with you both, Nicole and Josh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there's a lot of resorts that call themselves wellness properties, but there's one that recently has gone above and beyond the usual wellness resort offerings, and that's the Melia Punta Cana Beach Resort in the Dominican Republic. So joining us now to tell us all about it is Daryl DaCosta. He's the general manager of the Melia Punta Cana Beach Resort. The website is melia.com. Hi, Daryl. Hello. Hello from the sunny side of life. Right. Uh, what's life like in Punta Cana these days? It is hot. It is um, being in paradise. That's what life is like in Punta Cana. (laughs) That's why people like to go there. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, the uh, rebranding of the Melia Punta Cana Beach Resort as a uh, a wellness uh, resort. It's it's an adults-only resort. But tell me how you would define what a wellness resort is. It seems to me a lot of resorts say that they have a spa, and so they claim to be wellness. But it's not the same, is it? Certainly, Randy. Uh, we recently rebranded uh, as Melia Punta Cana Beach, a wellness-inclusive resort for adults only. So we've created five unique spaces, uh, namely social, silent, sensory, culinary, and personal. These spaces are designed to cultivate the soul through relaxation, reconnection, healthy eating, and of course, taking care of your body. Well, that sounds fabulous. I like the silent part. <laughs> Describe what the five, like what what you what you do with the five, uh, like what what you offer your guests to uh, get those things going. No, I mean at 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 Melia, at Melia Punta Cana Beach, uh, soul matters. You'll be able to have a curated, all all inclusive experience whilst connecting mind, body, and soul through our intuitive wellness inclusive experiences 
you know, five unique spaces that I just mentioned. For mm-hmm. example, in the silent space, we have hammocks uh, in, 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 in a mangrove setting where you can just relax, read a book, listen to the birds, and uh, uh, just enjoy yourself and have some me time. Very nice. That sounds wonderful. Uh, let's talk about the cuisine now. Uh, that's one of the senses. Yes, absolutely. Um, we have, obviously, uh, multiple restaurants. We have 12 uh, in, in all. Uh, we have Vietnamese, um, we have uh, Italian, Mediterranean, we have a beach club called Cape Now, and our wellness chef has curated menus to do with healthy eating. And of course, everything else that, that you may like is catered in, in all these uh, multiple restaurants we have across the resort. Now, uh, just let, let's just do the basics here, uh, where you're located, uh how you get there, those types of things, number of rooms, different types of rooms. Cover the basics for me. Absolutely. So we are here in the Bavaro Beach, which, is, which was declared by UNESCO uh, as one of the most beautiful beaches in, in, the, in the world. Um, we are a, a resort, resort of about 400-odd rooms. We have a special de-level uh, exclusive service, which is a sort of a VIP uh, area, but the whole resort uh, is 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 uh, the architecture is built around these five spaces that I mentioned, which I'm going to repeat again: mm. social, silent, sensory, culinary, and personal. So everything that you will see, experience, and feel in the restaurant is to do with connecting mind, body, and soul. Very nice. Uh, now, you did touch on the silent space and the culinary. Let's talk about the other three now. Social space, what's that? So, we have, I mean, obviously, we have a lot of uh, activities, uh, for example, uh, which are curated for, for happiness and for wellness, like the white beach party, where, we, where you can have fun on the beach. We have silent parties, which are very famous here. Uh, we have music DJs, we have boho chic nights, uh, Latin theme nights where guests can immerse themselves in, in Latin culture through music and dance like bachata, merengue, and salsa. Mm-hmm. And of course, we have other fun activities like beach volleyball, aqua spinning, dance lessons, uh, pedal boating, eco bike tours. You know, guests can uh, indulge themselves in all these activities whilst connecting with other like-minded travelers. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, now personal space. What's that one about? So we have teamed up with um, a company called Stay Well, you know, where Deepak Chopra is, is very much involved. And uh, all our, uh, our, we have specially designed wellness Stay Well rooms where you will have uh, various features like... Um, uh, vitamin C infused showers, uh, thermic beds, um, um, you know, ambient, uh, which is uh, tuned to uh, different times of the day and temperature and weather. Uh, you will have a system which cleans the air, so you are breathing, you know, the most purest air, extra, extra. You will have access to our state-of-the-art gym as part of your stay in our wellness rooms. Mm-hmm. And, and many other. You'll have a personal uh, guest uh, experience concierge at your service. So, yeah, so there are lots of things that you'll have 
in our wellness rooms. Mm-hmm. And uh, sensory space, that's the, the last of the five. Yes. So basically, that's uh, the, the spa. And uh, so we have a massive spa uh, with about 12 uh, treatment rooms. We have hydrotherapy, all designed with the Taino um, concept, which is uh, a concept here in the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. We also, I know, bring in trends from around the world. Uh, so the, the, there your senses will be awakened and you'll be able to to uh, relax, uh, avail our various treatments uh, in, in, in the spa. Very nice. And so when you say all-inclusive, is all of this included or are there extra charges for some things? How does that work? No, absolutely. I mean, all that I spoke about in, in general, and depending on what you exactly booked, if you book the level uh, adults-only VIP area, you will obviously get some additional mm-hmm. uh, things to to the things that I've already mentioned, but in general, it is uh, everything is included. But there are other premium services, like if you want a massage, yes, you will have to pay mm-hmm. for for the massage. Uh, you know, if you want a a very private dinner, say a romantic dinner on the beach, just for two, you will, you may have to pay for that. But mm-hmm. but our twelve restaurants are all included, absolutely. Twelve restaurants, so that's a lot. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I could. If you're staying there for a week, you, you, you wouldn't be able to cover all I twelve. Know. I don't think would you? You'd have you to stay are, for two weeks. <laughs> absolutely, I think you can. You know, you, you can you, you can choose the beach. Uh, you can choose uh, different des- places to to dine, and we have so much variety here that it will be spoiled for mm-hmm. you. Uh, you wouldn't want to leave the resort, but if you do, what are some of the activities and excursions that people can enjoy uh, outside the resort in Punta Cana? So absolutely, we, we, we invite our guests to explore the culture, the land, the people, the local traditions, rituals, food of the Dominican Republic. You know, uh, where we are, we are blessed with one of the Caribbean re- region's longest white sand coastlines, a whooping 48 kilometers of or 30 miles, you know, of beaches dotted with sky-reaching coconut palms. You know, Punta Cana is a land of rest and relaxation by the sea. So here you come to enjoy that. We have about 11 blue flag certified beaches. And also Punta Cana is a golfer's destination, a romantic wedding heaven. So you you are really spoiled for choice. Uh, the, the capital city, Santo Domingo, is just two hours away. It is one of the oldest uh, colonial or oldest city in, in the Americas. So it, it is it is a must visit. And of course, the Dominican people are, you know, the most one of the most happiest people on the planet. Here you can dance away to bachata, to merengue, to salsa, and just enjoy the the Caribbean feel of of this beautiful island. <laughs> well, that's because they live in paradise every day. <laughs> Who wouldn't be happy? <laughs> Well, it all I sounds right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it all sounds wonderful. It's the uh, Melia Punta Cana Beach Resort. You can find more information on the Melia website, melia.com. Uh, Daryl Da Costa is the uh, hotel director of the Melia Punta Cana Beach Resort. Enjoy paradise, Daryl. Thank you very much. And let me let me just 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 finish with by saying that beach days, uh, Randy are the best days. <laughs> yes, they are. And at Melia Punta Cana Beach, you will feel the sky above. The sand below and peace within. Couldn't put it better myself, Daryl. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Randy.
So last week, we took a short day trip to the Crow's Nest Pass in southern Alberta and spent a few hours at the Frank Slide Interpretive Centre to learn the story of the Frank Slide and some of the myths around it. And I got the chance to sit down and chat with Joey Ambrosi, Facility Supervisor at the Frank Slide Interpretive Centre. The website is frankslide.ca. So here's that conversation for you now. Thanks for doing this. It's a gorgeous day. We're sitting outside and uh, we should paint a picture of of the view right in front of us where uh, we got Turtle the, Mountain over to our right down to the south and you can see where it broke off in April 29th 1903 came crashing down you see all the rocks go all the way all the rocks two kilometers out going up the hillside were from the slide on that day. I've driven along the and we should say it's like Highway 3 the Crow's Nest Highway uh, along here Yep. every right. time I drive by I am just Utterly <laughs> shocked, amazed, every word I can think of to describe this. It still floors me uh, to this day uh, what happened. So just take us back that day and, and describe what went on. Sure, I'll do your, your experience first. We get so many people who come through. If you've never been here before and you're driving from the east and you're driving west, you come to this big giant rock slide and most of the rock is limestone. So when it breaks down, it breaks down to very poor soil. So it takes a long time for trees to grow in. We get a little west wind, as you know here, mm -hmm. blows the seeds and the dust in. So it's starting to grow in a little bit on the west side, but it's very much like it was uh, back in 1903. We actually get people who will come up here and they'll say, how did that slide miss the highway and the railway down there? Because it looks so fresh. <laughs> yeah. And we say, well, I must have jumped it, I guess. <laughs> and then we say, no, it, this is, that's 120 years ago that it came down. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's quite awe-inspiring when you look out over here. So if we go back in time, in 1901, they started a coal mine inside Turtle Mountain. A fellow named Henry Frank from Montana was the main investor in the mine. So they named the town Frank. If you own, if you own the mine, you get the town named after Yeah. And they mined there for a couple of years. And this mountain was very unique among all the mountains in the, in the Rockies and in this area and anywhere in the Rockies in that it had a very bad internal structure. So... The reason that it came down was its geological structure on the inside it had been folded and folded over so that it was leaning over the valley, um, had things like big cracks at the top where snow and ice when it melts get inside and if you freeze you expand that the cracks get bigger. They have sort of acidic um, rain around here, it's always been that way, if it gets down inside these big cracks it makes bigger holes inside the mountain so there's big voids uh -huh. and then they started mining and the way they mined they took out these big um, rooms of coal that were 60 70 meters high and so on the night the slide came down which was april 29th 1903 the miners said that was the coldest night of the winter mm -hmm. which is very strange to have your coldest night at the end of april but that winter there was lots of snow it all melted in march and april there was lots of water in the cracks and then at about four in the morning, coldest time of the night, it uh, widened when the, the water froze to ice and it broke off a chunk that was about a kilometer wide, three quarters of a kilometer high and a few hundred meters deep, came roaring down the valley. All of this happened out here in about 90 seconds. Wow. Now there was a little town of Frank, which is not under the slide. Most people think it's under the slide. It was over to the uh, west. There were people in the way. Uh, there was one row on the outside of, one row of houses on the outside of town on what's called Manitoba Avenue. And there was a couple of ranches and there was a construction camp and the mine buildings were all buried at the same time. But the main part of the town, the whole area had about 600 people, 500 in the town. 
the 500 were all safe. I'm sure the rest of their lives they said we survived the prank song. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, they didn't. They were safe, but they end up moving them out for a few months, and then when they came back. Within a couple of years, scientists looking at the mountain told the government, you better move that town. So they end up moving the town of Frank. So what that meant is when people came by on railway or roads later on, mm. there was a big slide and there's no town. So everybody thinks the town's under the slide when the town was actually off to the side of the slide. I think uh, like there's a lot of myths that go Absolutely. with this, right? Yeah. Like That's one of them, right? Like The town wasn't buried. It was all off to the side. There's a couple that come to mind. One that is a, a baby, baby girl. was the only survivor. Yes. And then the bank got buried, yes. so there was like half a million dollars buried there. We actually do a <laughs> program, up, program up here called Mountain Myths out on our boardwalk out in front of us here. We, uh, we talk to people during the day, and one of the ones we do regularly is called Mountain Myths. So we ask people what they've heard. Have you heard there was a town buried here? And they go, most of them go, yes. So we explain, <laughs> no, there wasn't a town, but we, what I just explained. Mm -hmm. The other one was a baby girl. It was a very famous story that uh, went around the world that said the whole mountain fell down, the whole town was buried, the only survivor was one baby girl they found out in the middle of the rocks. They went out the next day and they brought her back. <laughs> Nobody knew who she was, so they named her Frankie Slide. So there's songs about Frankie Slide, there's stories, there's books, there's plays, there's everything about Frankie Slide, but it wasn't true. In that row of houses right on the edge of town, um, there was 23 survivors. It depends on what house you're in. Mm. One house, uh, the Leach house, the father, the son, I mean, sorry, the father and mother of four sons were killed. Three daughters survived, one was a baby girl. Um, house down the way, um, there was another baby girl survived. House down the way, another. So there was actually three baby girls survived out of the 23 survivors, uh -huh. but none of them were alone. One had two sisters, the other two had their entire families. But that just kind of got mixed up in the newspapers and it, it got put in newspapers and went all around the world. And then from those newspapers, it went into history books in Canada. <laughs> so in the 1920s and 30s especially, there was people who read the story of the Frank Slide and that's the story they got. So we, back 20, 30 years ago, we get fairly old people coming here who'd argue with us. <laughs> no, no, it says no history. We were taught that there was only one baby girl. So we show them pictures of the town after the slide, with the slide behind the town still there. and and. Uh, so there, there was three baby girls, but they survived with some other people plus the 500 in the town. Now the bank, the story there was the town obviously was buried, so mm -hmm. the bank was buried, and the story was they uh, paid them in gold. So there was a whole, there's twenty thousand dollars worth of gold in the bank. I actually get people to come up here, but every year or two with a metal detector <laughs> that are going to go ha go find that bank. So first I have to say, number one. They didn't pay them in gold. So, so there's no gold out there. Second, there's no bank out there. Third, that's a protected historic area. It's basically like a big cemetery now. Yeah. If you go out there, we have to arrest you. So <laughs> they don't get to go and look for the <laughs> bank that's not there. Yeah. And I, I think we should also say, too, yeah, the, this is a cemetery, right? Uh, in effect, yeah. There's probably it's probably 80, 80, maybe 85 yeah. bodies still out there. Yeah. So uh, you can't take any rocks. You can't go digging uh, the... Uh, where the railway goes through now is down by the highway down below us mm -hmm. here. When the slide came down on that night, rails got pushed about a kilometer and a half, and they found pieces of rail on the outside edge of the slide up wow. there. Wow. So if you're looking for somebody's little wooden shack under 45 meters of rock, yeah. if rails got pushed, you wouldn't even know where to look. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. if you actually took all these rocks, uh, we've calculated that you can build a wall. You can build a wall from Victoria to Halifax that would be about a meter wide and about seven meters high 
all the way just across the, Canada, just, just the, the rock from the Frank's line. Well, some of these boulders are absolutely gigantic. Like, it's unbelievable. Like I said at the beginning, it's, I'm just absolutely amazed and stunned when you just look out here of what took place. Like, um, But let's talk about the Interpretive Centre itself. Sure. We <laughs> only have a few minutes now because yep. we're talking about stories. But uh, <laughs> what's the best way to, to come and, and learn all this? So the center, starting now to um, Thanksgiving, we're open 10 to 5 every day. Mm -hmm. We have interpreters on staff that are happy to tell you stories. We have four levels of displays. It has lots of interactive stuff, lots of good stuff for kids um, to learn the story, not only of the uh, Frank Slide, but the Crow's Nest Valley. There's yeah, lots, yeah. There's, there's lots of other stories that go here. And we have two high-definition definition movies that are part of your admission if you come into the, the center. So it's mm -hmm. uh, worthwhile for a family to come down but some of the other stories as we're sitting here looking across the frank slide we can see the town of hillcrest which is a little mm -hmm. one over there yeah. in 1914 189 people were killed in the hillcrest yeah. mine disaster or there's bellevue in 1910 there was 31 men killed in a mine disaster plus right in front of us we have the frank slide where 90 people were killed yeah. those are the three worst disasters in the history of alberta all within really a rock's throw of each other it's yeah. Quite, a, yeah. quite amazing so it's a land of uh, uh, disaster over here. I live on the other side of Blairmore, <laughs> just to be safe, but uh, um, everything's good now. But uh, it's it's worth coming down. You can come up. You can see the sand. You can see the slide without actually without actually going in the center. But you'll get much more information mm -hmm. from in the center, quite detailed. And we have very good interpretive staff to tell you all kinds of stories. And these, like, these are self-guided tours, for lack of a better term. There's no formal tours that you sign up for. I mean, you can yep. get someone like yourself to help you show, yes, show you um, around. But. Yeah, the center itself is all self-guided. There's lots yeah. of things, buttons to push, little games to play, and stuff to read, and lots of, lots of great pictures and stories. But our interpretive staff are here as well. Um, twice during the day, we do a boardwalk talk, which is free to anybody who comes up and we get 30 or 40 people out there and they'll oh, cool. tell you for 20 minutes they'll tell you some of the stuff i'm telling you yeah once a day um starting in july we do a guided trail walk we have a one and a half kilometer trail that goes through the rocks from the parking lot around and comes back up to the parking lot and you have a guide with you on that so awesome yeah lots to see and do lots to see and we do. could probably talk a whole hour Thank you so much, Joey Ambrosi, uh, facility manager here at the Frank Slide Interpretive Center. You gotta come and see it, it's truly amazing. Thanks for doing this. You're very welcome. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website, theinformedtraveler.org. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know, leave a review, tell a friend, or you can drop me a line. My email is randy at theinformedtraveler.org. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler or follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.